We've asked for and received an opportunity to check in with another one of the regional school districts as uh, they are having a planning summer too, I'm sure, making sure that uh, dozens of different plans are in the works uh, too. Uh, make sure that they're ready for the, the fall in the era of COVID. Uh, Dr. Chad Kors is on the line, Superintendent of Sealands Grove Area School District. Good morning, Dr. Kors. Thanks for calling in today. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, guys. How are we doing? Hanging in there. How about you, Chad? Yep, we're doing oh, fine. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> well, Jason uh, called it, uh, Jason Bendel of Shikolami called it a planning summer uh, where, <laughs> you know, where a thousand different options and scenarios are underway. As you get ready for the fall semester at Sealands Grove Area School District, what are you doing? Well, very similar. We're uh, making plans for all the possible options. Uh, our primary option is looking to open schools uh, where students return. Uh, normal probably isn't the correct word because we're not sure what normal is now, but uh, students returning face-to-face -face, uh, with uh, in-class instruction. That's our uh, first plan. Uh, but that entails a lot of uh, safety precautions now uh, from how do we separate students as much as possible uh, to uh, making sure facilities stay clean and cleaning between use of uh, shared pieces of equipment. Uh, so that's, that's our first plan that we're on our primary plan. Um, the next plan would be uh, sort of a hybrid approach where students rotate. Some students come to school, some students stay at home, uh, and that rotates in some way, shape, or form throughout the year. Uh, and then the third option, uh, sort of the opposite extreme, is the, the way we ended the school year, which is really uh, complete distance learning for our students. Um, so we're making plans for all three of those options and also being able to shift back and forth between those options uh, depending on what uh, transpires with the, the virus come this fall. Well, you're kind of lucky, at least it seems to me, in the fact <laughs> that you have an educational park, in effect, where all of your schools are located in close proximity to one another. Does this cause any special <laughs> problems, or is it a ben benefit largely? Uh, I think it would be a benefit. Uh, again, part of that depends on if we bring only certain kids back on certain days, we could technically spread kids out through all five or all four of our buildings. Uh, because we are on a campus setting, so I, I think it would be beneficial in our case. So what what are the um, additional problems with respect to finances that you're looking for in all this planning? Are some options more expensive than others, and will the cost play a, a role in determining which direction you go? Uh, yeah, there could be additional cost, especially if we don't return. Well, there's some cost with all, all of the options, uh, even coming back in, in a normal setting, uh, you know, just additional cleaning measures, uh, protective measures, you know, so there's some additional costs for supplies, materials, uh, people power, and those kinds of things to, to make sure things are clean. Um, I know some districts across the state are talking about uh, staggering start times for students and, you know, some kids coming half days and those kinds of things. We're not looking at that option. Oh, you're not? But that option, no, but that option would increase transportation costs. Uh, because you're doubling, basically doubling your bus run, so you're almost doubling your transportation costs. Um, so there are expenses uh, with any of the options. How has the remote learning uh, worked, as far as you can tell, from the kids who participated in it? And I guess not everybody was able to, right? We had a large majority. Of, when I say large majority, I would say we had over 90% of our, our students 
and families participating in distance learning. Uh, overall, I'd say it went well, uh, given the fact that we had, you know, in reality, about a day or two to to go from normal school to completely online for everybody. Um, you know, it forced uh, parents to step up and really be teachers for their children, uh, especially the elementary age age parents. Uh, but I'd say given the circumstances, everybody did well. Uh, was it ideal? No. Because, um, you know, people didn't sign up to be uh, teachers at home, but uh, everybody tried to make the best of it, and uh, I think we did that. As you and the district get ready for the fall, what are the factors that you are considering? You know, maybe like the, the COVID numbers themselves. Chickalemi's doing a survey. Maybe you are, too. Tell us what's going into the pot here, into the mix. Yeah. Uh, we have First of all, we have a committee formed made up of uh, teachers, administrators, transportation, uh, county EMA representatives, uh uh, probably missed a couple groups uh, that are meeting, but we also have a parent survey that's uh, online. So any parents, if you haven't uh, participated in the survey yet, uh, please do so. Uh, but uh, you know that survey data is one of the big things that's helping drive our, our decisions uh, because we ask parents things like, you know, what kind of uh, school do you want in the fall? Do you want face to face? Do you want distance? And uh, overwhelming majority are looking forward to their students coming back to face-to-face -face instruction. Um, you know, we asked them some questions also about safety and what kinds of safety things would they like to see in place. You know, so we're uh, going through all of that data uh, to determine, you know, what things will truly look like in the fall. Did you get some parents that say, no, I'm not comfortable with the fall, I don't want to come back, I'm concerned about the yeah. pandemic? Okay. Yep, yep, which means that as far as planning goes, we also need to have our own uh, uh, cyber program for parents who say, nope, I'm not comfortable sending my child, uh, and so I want my child to be completely cyber or homeschooled uh, via you know, our online program. And so that opportunity will be available for those parents. How many, how many students have you lost to cyber charter or homeschooling or, or uh, maybe other options? Uh, because of the virus, I don't know that we've lost any yet. Uh, it's a little too early to tell that, uh, you know, really until the school starts up in the fall. I can't imagine um, close learning with masks and gloves and all those other things, but is that what we're likely to be seeing? Uh, again, and we're, as a school building, we're certainly limited by the size of the classroom. And so in most cases, we will not be able to keep students six feet apart. They will be closer than that. Um, and masks, we still haven't made a final decision on that yet, but uh, my guess is if I had to give an answer right at the moment, I'd say masks would be optional and not mandatory. Um, For both staff and students? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I, I wouldn't see how you could conduct education with masks on and, and keeping little kids, particularly the kindergartners, first, second, yes. third grades, keeping them in a, for a full day with a mask on their face. No, that's extremely it's tough for <laughs> adults to do, let alone kids. What about the cafeteria and lunch set, lunchroom settings? I mean, the kids there are all close together. Will you be doing something different for lunch? And 
Yeah, certainly uh, lunches are going to look different, uh, as well as a lot of other things if we return to, quote, normal. Um, you know, lunch, students will need to be, uh, some students will be eating in the cafeteria, and most likely some students will have to be eating in, in classrooms. Uh, I think one of the fortunate things about school in the fall is the weather is usually pretty good, uh, you know, so we can have classes and possibly even lunches. Uh, outside as much as possible as well. So, all right. Tell us about your budget. Uh, this is a busy time, uh, always in the district, getting finalizing the budget. Yeah, uh, budget-wise, we're uh, our uh, proposed budget will be on the board agenda for approval uh, on the 29th of the month. Uh, but we are looking at a uh, an operating deficit for next year of uh, just over a million dollars, uh, and a lot of that deficit has to do with the economic impact of the COVID uh, pandemic on society, just uh, with loss of uh, local uh, revenue uh, from, you know, loss of jobs and uh, loss to real estate uh, transfers and all those kinds of things, they all do trickle down to us as a school district. But uh, fortunately, we have uh, a healthy reserve account that we can uh, take care of that deficit by just pulling some money out of uh, out of our budgetary reserve account. Will a tax increase be necessary this year? Uh, I, at this point, the budget is being proposed without a tax increase. Okay. Uh, just, just because the board does not feel it's in the best interest to to raise taxes given the the current economic situation for a large majority of our community, which. You know, makes perfect sense. Are you looking at cutting things? For example, I know Shikalimi was in the position of having to cut a teacher. There's been a suggestion made you cut your police department. What kinds of things are you looking at with with respect to trimming the budget? We actually um, looked at at staffing. Now we're not having to furlough anybody, but uh, as some teachers had put in letters to retire uh, at the end of this school year. Uh, we looked at all of those positions and uh, determined whether or not we needed to fill them. So actually there are a couple of teaching positions and a couple of admi- administrative positions uh, that we're not going to be filling for next school year. So we were able to do it through what we call attrition uh, rather than having to do f- actual furloughs of staff. Are they going to replace you? Yeah. <laughs> you picked a heck of a year to bow out, Chad. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. It is. Certainly not what one had planned, but... Uh, July 10th is your retirement date, correct? Yes, it is. Okay, yes. wow, fabulous. Congratulations. Good for you. And it is a retirement. You. Do you sort of know what you'll emphasize in in the months ahead? Relaxation. Oh, okay. good, good for you. Well, you're going out with a bang. Good for you. Well, this has uh, probably been an unusual year. Uh, tell us about the George Floyd video. What will happen in the district in the in the weeks ahead? Then on the 29th, uh, tell us what is going to happen or can happen. Talk about that. Sure. Um, again, uh, the video certainly was totally inappropriate and offensive. Uh, and as a district, we do not condone anything like that. Uh, because one of our goals is to try and teach students to be uh, accepting of others and inclusive and, uh, you know, not to make fun of other people, uh, regardless of whether it's skin color, religion, or anything else. So, uh, you know, one of the things that the district we're doing is taking a look at, you know, where we can continue to uh, 
to improve instruction and uh, try and help uh, battle those those kinds of prejudices and biases that exist. Uh, but I will also throw out there that uh, just because they're students doesn't mean it's the school's complete responsibility. It is a community responsibility, and uh, so one of the things we've done as a district is we've uh, I've reached out to the United Way uh, to ask them to assist us in forming uh, a committee to take a look at uh, various get getting various stakeholder groups together uh, from the community to come up with some ways to address uh, issues and concerns and to improve. Well, I've been a taxpayer in the Sealands Grove School District for some 43 years. My son graduated from Sealands Grove Schools. My grandson is attending. I have another grandson who will be starting. And I will say that I don't think the Sealands Grove School District is a racist institution. I don't see, you know, my son came out of there, and I think he has a tremendous respect for other people. He learned it. I volunteered at various things in the school. My wife worked for the school district. I don't see that there is a systemic problem in the Sealands Grove area school district. Certainly, as Mark points out, we can all be better. But isn't there a danger here of overreacting? Yes, there is. And not just with this situation, but with any situation that comes up, you know, you can always go to extremes, and one of the challenges for a school district is to try and make sure we're not going to one extreme or the other, but we are taking a sort of a middle-of-the-road path so that, uh, as you well know, on any issue, you've got people on both sides of an issue, and, you know, as a public school entity, we can only do so much, and we are limited, uh, and, you know, we can't be extremist on either end on any issue. Joe hasn't seen any, but you know that there have been incidents where students have been uh, bullied, belittled, name-called. Uh, um, That's not necessarily s- racism. Slighted. I know there's been bullying. If I could finish the question, yeah. because of race. Well, you said I didn't see it. <laughs> yes. I mean, certainly we admit that it happens here. When you have, you know, 2,600 students in one location uh, and then 300 staff members, so you've got over 3,000 people together, uh, is it going to happen? Yes. Can we 100% prevent anything bad from happening? No, I wish we could. But we certainly can do our part to, to educate students and faculty and staff and hopefully make things better. But isn't your primary function education of the children? Is, don't the parents bear a certain responsibility for uh, the way their kids turn out? <laughs> Yes. Uh, the short answer is yes. Uh, as a public school system, again, we, although everybody looks to us to cure all the ills of the world, whether it be drugs and alcohol or, uh, you know, mental illness or racism or anything else, you know, we're supposed to fix it. But again, we, we can't do any of this. We can't even educate uh, alone. It takes, you know, parents. It takes community members. It takes, uh, you know, the churches and businesses and community organizations to make it truly happen. To quote Hillary Clinton, it takes a village, right? It does. What's your view on this petition that's being circulated? District might get a look at it on the 29th or maybe before then or after. What's your view on this idea? Quite a few demands, Uh, apologies, and so on. Yeah, um, I I did see it, um, and Again, I think there are some things that we can do as a district to improve. Uh, I'd also say that some of the 
quote demands and i guess that's the first thing first thing is i don't like that term demands because uh you know that that puts people on sides and uh which isn't the way to go about changing anything uh you know so certainly going to listen to what those folks have to say and uh what they've written down now some of the things that are on those demands are are not accurate anymore for example i know there's uh some things on there about fifth grade camp uh fifth grade camp the format i believe they're alluding to on there hasn't been that way for several years uh that was changed several years ago so you know not everything in their demands is accurate or up to current practices in the district um and I guess I'd say not just to this group, but to anybody that has issues is, A, don't wait 20 years to bring issues forward. Uh, you know, if there are issues, let's sit down with folks and, and talk about them and, and try and improve them so that, uh, you know, we're not overlooking things. Well, you mentioned fifth grade camp, which is a sore subject around our house because my grandson is in fifth grade, would have gone to camp this year, and uh, he yes. didn't, get, didn't get to go. Is there going to be any catch-up in the school year? In other words, you, you left kind of abruptly. Are you going to have like a, a maybe start earlier, since I guess you can start in July now under the governor's plan? Are you going to try and do some catch-up before the regular start of the school year? And if so, what form will that take? We are not going to be starting early. Uh, the reason being, we know we can, but because the rest of the world is just starting to go back to normal, uh, you know, families may have vacations planned and those kinds of things, so we don't want to make a, a, a stressful spring and early summer even more stressful for families. Uh, but when students do return uh, at the regular normal start time of of the school year, which is August 19. Uh, our staff are currently working on identifying ways to identify deficiencies that students might have and uh, provide instruction as necessary. So the first part of the year uh, is certainly going to be a, a catch-up period, so to speak. One of the elements in the petition is uh, to use money for police officers for mental health supports and other resources. What's your reaction to that uh, change in, in the budget? Uh, again, I'd say that's one of those uh, extreme ends of a perspective. And again, as a district, we want to stay in the middle ground. Uh, so I don't see us eliminating our police uh, because, uh, again, I think if people would talk to us face-to-face -face about what our police are. Uh, they aren't out arresting people. They aren't out putting chokeholds on, on, on students. Uh, actually, our, our school police officers went through pretty intensive training uh, that 99% of that training is working with students on dealing with issues, de-escalation techniques, uh, you know, just being friends with, with students. So I, I don't see us eliminating our police. Um, can we put more monies towards uh, mental health services and uh, supports uh, for students? Absolutely. Uh, actually, one of the part of the one of the safe schools grants that we have for this coming year, uh, portions of that money are being allocated for trauma-informed approaches. So again, it's not a all-or-nothing kind of thing for for either of these initiatives. I think we need both. We need school police and we need additional counseling 
and training and supports for students. So, again, we're trying to take that middle road and provide both of those options. Well, we may not get to talk to you again before you retire, so this is your chance to give your valedictorian <laughs> address. <laughs> How do you view uh, the Sealands Grove School District you're leaving behind, Chad? It's it's certainly bittersweet. Uh, you know, on one hand, I'm, I'm happy to be able to retire. Uh, on the other hand, it's it's you know it, it it's a great job. It's a great school district. You know, in my 31 years in Sealands Grove and 36 total in education, uh, you know, working with students on a day-to-day basis, it, you can't get a better job than that. And in Sealands Grove, you know. I put Seals Grove up against any school district in the state or the country. I mean, we've got, in reality, comparatively speaking, we've got very few problems. We've got a, a tremendous amount of outstanding students that, you know, typically they don't, in situations like this recent situation, uh, we quickly lose sight of those, uh, you know, 2,000 other students who are out there doing good things and great things in the community. And so, you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed my time in the district, and, uh, you know, it it is a great place to work, and I am going to miss the the people in the district. Not that I'm going anywhere, but, uh, you know, in retirement you will miss the folks you get to work with, including the students. All right. Well, thank you so much yes, for thank you. all of the interviews over the years. And for your service. <laughs> well, hey. thank you both. I appreciate your uh, having having me on the air over, over the years. and. Uh, being able to share the great things that are happening in the Sealands Grove School District. All right, thank you so much. Chad Kors, Superintendent of Sealands Grove Area School District. Thank you, sir. Once again, we appreciate your time. Sure. Thank you, Jack, guys. I do care. appreciate that. Chad Kors, uh, retiring July 10th, uh, probably about a dozen years as superintendent. It seems like just yesterday, but he has been uh, at the helm for a while, and Sealands Grove has been marching forward. So we appreciate his time.